All right. Thanks, Bill. Uh, it's, it really is an honor to be up here, but I really don't feel like a guest. Uh, <laughs> this is my home. Uh, I love it. Well, good morning. Uh, it's my pleasure today to be speaking from Luke chapter 8, verses 16 to 18. Uh, we're in the middle of a series called Think About It, uh, where we look at passages and ref- that call us to reflect and consider various aspects of our faith. And today, we're going to be thinking about how we listen. Uh, for anyone wondering, yes, that means you pretty much have to listen to me. There is no escape. I'm sorry. That's just how it works. But we're in Luke chapter 8, verses 16 to 18. So I invite you to rise, if you're able, for the reading of God's word. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. Heavenly Father, we lift up this time to you. Help us to consider your words carefully. And help me, Lord, guide my thoughts and my words as I deliver your message to your people. Amen. All right, you can take a seat. So let's talk about light. Uh, In our modern electronic world, it's easy to take light for granted. I mean, if you need light, what do you do? You turn the lights on. But our ease of access to light can actually make us forget its value. And for most of humanity, for most of human history, there was no such thing as an all-nighter. What a blessing, actually. (laughs) But daylight governs our schedule. We woke up with the dawn, and we went to bed with nightfall. You didn't finish that report? Too bad. Get it done tomorrow. And if you work outside, this is still true. You can only work as long as you have the light. Light gives birth to growth, to productivity, because we can only see what we're doing when the light is shining. So light is valuable. So when Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed, it makes perfect sense. Because who would light a lamp and put it under a jar? Light has a purpose. But notice something here. It doesn't say so that those who come in can see the room that's being illuminated. It says so that those who come in can see the light. It's key to note that the reason he puts the light on a stand is so that all who come in can see the light. Something about this light is worth beholding all on its own, aside from what it's shining upon. It's, it's like a lighthouse in the midst of a storm, or, or maybe the northern lights. Like it, it draws the eye. It's the star of the show. And this light, this lamp on the stand, is Jesus himself and his ministry, his gospel. So it's with this understanding that we come to a, a more cryptic-sounding verse, verse 17, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed 
that will not be known or brought out into the open. Uh, just as an aside, uh, in a vacuum, this verse is terrifying. I'd imagine many of us, myself included, have something we think of when we hear that everything's coming out into the open. That one thing we'd really prefer didn't come out into the open. Or when, when someone says, Jesus has seen everything you've ever done. My response is usually, oh, even that? It's easy to hear this verse as Jesus taking the spotlight and shining it on the worst things I've ever done for the world to see. And the whole world is, <gasps> how could he? And they shake their heads in disappointment and they, they're rubbing their foreheads and I am ashamed. And that doesn't sound like a good time, does it? It's hard enough to confess our sins, our failings, our embarrassments to even one trusted person. What would everyone think? And I'm supposed to be a Christian for shame. But I want to encourage us here regarding this sense of shame that can so easily slip into our faith. Because if we've accepted Christ as our Lord, our own acceptance in the kingdom of heaven, it doesn't hinge on what everyone thinks. It hinges on what God thinks. And he's made it abundantly clear that his love for you and for me is more powerful than any sense of sin or shame you might have. <laughs> it's, it's actually really hard to feel shame when you remember that the absolute Lord of the universe is shooting you two big thumbs up and saying, yes, I love you. Uh, I guess you might feel a little embarrassed, like, you know, no, dad, stop it. Oh, you're, you're so embarrassing, dad. But that's actually the kind of enthusiastic love that he has for his children. And followers of Christ can be secure in that love. All right? All right. Now, there are definitely scriptures that do speak specifically about the revelation and judgment of all things. But coming back to our passage and looking at this verse in its context, I'm actually not sure that's what Jesus is talking about here. Remember, the focus is the light. The lamp was set so that we would see the light. So I suspect what Jesus is talking about here, the thing that's being revealed, is not primarily our terribleness, praise the Lord, but the light itself. He's saying that his glory and his gospel is going to be revealed. See, at this point in, in Luke, Jesus hasn't done everything he's come on earth to do. But to us, now thousands of years later, his earthly ministry is complete and is compiled for us in the Bible. It's there. It's out in the open, everything you need. He's saying there's no secrets, there's no tears of subscription, there's no hoops you have to jump through. Jesus' light is shining right now for us to see. And when we see the light of Jesus, it is captivating. Uh, the reality is that Jesus' gospel is revealing. It does shine some light on some ugly things about ourselves. But the point is not the ugly things. The point is the light. And when we let that light shine on us, and when we step forward into it, everything falls into its proper place. The stuff the light is shining on, it grows strangely dim. 
in comparison to the glory of the light itself. And so as the light of Jesus is revealed, it's not hidden under a jar, it is on display. We're free to see the light, walk towards it, and leave the things we were hiding in the dark behind. And if you're feeling shame about the things you've done, Jesus offers to release you from that. His light is on display. And when we step into it, it is full of forgiveness and mercy and love. Isn't that incredible? So we come now to verse 18, where we receive some instruction. Jesus has told us what's happened. The lamp is on the stand. And now he's telling us what to do about it. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. This is the pivotal sentence of our passage today. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. And there's a pretty good case that this is the key instruction of maybe this whole chapter. Uh, this, this chapter, Luke 8, is permeated with the theme of hearing. The passage directly before this one is the parable of the sower. That more than deserves its own sermon, but ultimately it's a story of four different ways of hearing, of listening to the gospel. And this theme of hearing, it flows directly into what Jesus is saying in our passage. Uh, some of your translations may actually say something like, be careful how you hear instead of listen, in verse 18. Uh, the word itself in the Greek uh, is usually translated here, even in the NIV, which is what I'm using today. In fact, this, this word occurs like eight times in this chapter. It's all over the place. But of those eight times, it's only translated as listen, by the NIV at least, in this one spot. So why do the translators do this? I suspect there's a variety of reasons, uh, but I think it might be because there really is a difference between hearing and listening. And they're drawing out here that what Jesus is asking us to do is listen. Anyone who's looked after children instinctively understands the difference between hearing and listening, right? No elaboration necessary. Or here's, here's a different example. How many people here have ever had the pleasure of calling customer service? Yeah, hands up. Now, keep your hand up if you felt the urge to say something like, you're not listening to me at some point during that phone call. Because I can guarantee they heard you, but there's a difference between hearing and listening. And the difference is that of response. This is made even more clear just a few verses later, actually. In verse 21, Jesus says, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. I think that's a helpful definition of listening for us in this context. Hearing God's word and putting it into practice. By the way, the story after this one, Jesus calming the storm. Nature itself hears God's word, and puts it into practice. That's pretty cool. And it's that kind of listening that Jesus is telling us to consider, and consider carefully. But why carefully? Because there are some real stakes. In the second half of, of verse 18, Jesus says, whoever has will be given more. 
Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Uh, a bit of a doozy, if I'm being honest. Uh, this is one of those parts of the Bible uh, that I usually skim past. It's weird and confusing, and maybe someday I'll figure it out, but for now I'll just read the parts I understand. Anyone else have that experience? But fighting off that urge to skim and choosing to press in, I mean, right away we're faced with this question. What is this thing that we have, or maybe that we don't have? And why does it sound so ominous? To understand, to answer this, let's look at what we already know about this passage. We've established that the chapter is about listening, about receptiveness to God's word. And we know that the light is Jesus' gospel, and that the light is set on display. So what if this unnamed thing that Jesus is referring to is a spirit of listening? An attitude of receptiveness to the light, to Jesus' gospel. He's saying that those who listen, those who hear God's word and put it into practice, will grow to be more like him. And that engenders further listening, which sparks further growth and further becoming more like him. And the reason it sounds ominous is because there's a real warning that if we aren't actively listening for God's word, we might just miss it. The danger is believing we've heard it all before, that we already understand that we actually don't need to be listening for the voice of God about X issue or Y passage. I think it's instructive that the ones who don't have this spirit of listening still think they're good to go. They believe they're all set. But Jesus says even what they think they have will be taken from them. If we live like that, we might be in for a rude awakening. And that's serious. We need to be careful. <laughs> and I struggle so much with this. Like I just said, I tend to skim past the more confusing parts of the Bible. Is that listening? Or when I come to church on Sunday and I mentally check out of a sermon because I've heard someone preach on it before, or I arbitrarily decide it doesn't apply to me, is that listening? Or how about when I pray and all I do is I dump my laundry list of requests at Jesus' feet and I say, amen, and I go about my day. Is that listening? I don't think so. Oh, man. What, what, it's depressing to think about a little bit. What blessings from the Lord have I ignored? What words of life have I passed by because I thought I had? And the really concerning part is that there is no excuse. Jesus has just said, everything you need to know is there. It's shining brightly. It's not under a jar. It's up to us to engage with it, to hear it, and put it into practice. That's serious stuff. No wonder he tells us to consider carefully 
how we listen. Now, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad about yourself, because there is an anxiety that can arise here. It can start to seem like our salvation might depend on how good we are at listening. Um, But just to be clear, this is not a condemnation of those who have failed to listen at times. If it is, pack it up, we're all condemned. Congratulations. But we know that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And our salvation depends on Jesus, not how well we listen. So what I am saying is an invitation to come in and see the light, to look more deeply into it too, dare I say, fix our thoughts on Jesus, as Kevin encouraged us to do last week. And when we do that, he offers us mercy, even in our failings. Now, I know what you're thinking, but Stephen, how are we supposed to listen? Like, what do we actually do? Consider carefully how you listen is good advice, but what is the right way to listen? How do we actually, like, do it? If you're asking those questions, just want to say, you're probably on the right track already. Those are the kinds of questions that someone with a spirit of listening might be asking. Jesus is inviting us to step into the light. In other words, to intentionally engage with what he is speaking to us. And he speaks to us primarily through his word. So we're encouraged to read the scriptures and not to skip the parts we don't like. But he also speaks through his Holy Spirit, living in you and in your brothers and sisters in Christ. So when we find something in the scriptures that we don't understand, instead of skimming past it, we can pray and listen for the Holy Spirit to guide us. And we can ask our spirit-filled brothers and sisters for their spirit-filled insights. That's good listening. And just as important, once we hear it, once we do get it, we respond in faith that Jesus knows what he's talking about and that he has our best interests in mind. Now, there's one question left. Um, It's one I find myself asking a little more often than I would care to admit. It's something that maybe I don't ask consciously, but certainly it comes out in the way I live my life. And maybe you're asking it too. So here it is. It's tough to admit. Why is Jesus worth listening to? Like, I get we're supposed to, but why should I actually bother? Life seems pretty good as it is, you know, and some of the stuff Jesus is telling me to do sounds really hard. I am glad you asked. (laughs) Let me tell you. And even if you didn't ask, I invite you to listen. Because it's not hidden. It's, it's no secret. God loves you, and he loves me. He came to earth as the man, Jesus. He lived a life that no one else could. And he taught us what it was like to live in relationship with him. 
He was sentenced to death, abandoned, and tortured for his efforts by people very much like you and me. And he forgave them. And he forgives us. He was killed. He resurrected, conquering death itself to be with us. And he ascended to heaven, where he reigns until he comes again and restores all things. He extends an open invitation to you and to me to come inside, to step into the light, and be a part of that restoration. That's why you should listen. That's the gospel. And it shines more brilliantly than any other message that has ever been told. And if you hear that, and you put it into practice, you're listening just fine. <laughs>